says, get that India, big boy. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the post-game show live from Jack's Bar and Grill. My name's John, that's Craig. We're from the Cumberland Fro, and this is the Tip Sheet Podcast. Here to break down all the action of the last home game, last regular season game of the 2022 season. How's everyone doing? How about them Parramatta Eels? Now, seriously, right now, how good does it feel to be an Eels supporter? Top four, baby, top four. Now, it was only about three short weeks ago that we were here on a very, very sad night when South absolutely did a number on us. We had Eels legend Brett Kenny with us as a special guest. We asked him, what's Parramatta's chances of winning the comp? (laughs) That's it. Love the energy, boys. Now, unfortunately, Brett didn't think too much of our chances, but I'm here to tell you that we are in this premiership race right up to our back teeth. Yes, sir. After knocking off the Melbourne Storm twice in one season, the Penrith Panthers twice in one season, and accounting for the Sydney Roosters as well, we know the Eels have premiership credentials, and now they've shown they've got the consistency to carry them through to the postseason. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, just to start off with, we do have to make some apologies Neville Glover was due to be with us tonight. He took ill during the match. Uh, We send him our best wishes, hope that it's nothing too serious. But uh, for anyone that was looking to get a photo or uh, have a bit of a chat with Neville, as I said, unfortunately, he's had to to leave from the ground, uh, took ill. But we are going to take you through with all of our normal post-match podcast takes on the uh, on the game, our instant reaction. So, John, can you lead us away with some of the main stats? Yeah, let's start from the top. Parramatta Eels 22, defeat the Melbourne Storm 14, booking their spot into the top four. Week one final now against the Penrith Panthers. Try scorers for the Melbourne Storm, a late triple through Harry Grant, Nick Meaney, David Nofaluma, uh, Nick Meaney and Cameron Munster combining for just one from three off the kicking tee. For the Parramatta Eels, Dylan Brown started the scoring in the 12th minute followed by Will Penasini and Mike Acevo. Mitchell Moses, flawless off the tee. Three try conversions, adding two penalty conversions for those 22 points. Eels, too good across the 80 minutes. Looking at the team stats, 60s. Right now, NRL.com saying that Melbourne dominated possession, which is interesting, 58% to 42. Uh, hang on, hang on. They're saying that Melbourne had 58% of the ball and yet they could really only get a few tries right at the end of the game. Yeah, I'm, going to, I'm waiting to see if these stats get revised because usually they're pretty on the mark, which is fascinating. But, yeah, shows a bit of... Adds a little bit of credence to Parramatta's defensive efforts, I suppose, in this game. Absolutely. It might, might explain why maybe we did just look a little bit gassed just at the end. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. But speaking of playing finals football, Parramatta Eels completing an 86% in this game, 60s. They dominated the runs, run metres and post-contact metres, although Melbourne did have the edge in line breaks due to that late flurry. In terms of tackle breaks, Melbourne ahead again, but Parramatta dominating average set distance. This one doesn't surprise me, 60s. Average play the ball speed, Parramatta out at 3.8 seconds. 
Melbourne down at 3.24. Ashley Quine let them get away for a lot in the ruck, and the numbers really add to that. Can I just say, I don't know if there is a grubbier team in the NRL than the Melbourne Storm. Seriously, I, I was taking notes during the game for what to talk about tonight, and all I wrote down about it was Grub City, <laughs> because that's basically what, what we have to put up with when we, when we watch them play. And I don't even think it does it justice watching on the television when you see all the antics that they get up to. You know, some of the stuff, just what I wrote down, the holding down, the late shots, walking off the mark. Now, there was, a, there was probably about... I lost count, actually, of how many times the likes of Munster got up, walked off the mark, walked past the markers to play the ball. It got the pass mark from Ashley Klein, and then towards the latter part of the first half, he tells Oregon Kafusi, go back and play it on the mark after he's maybe moved about half a metre off the mark. Just absolutely ridiculous. And don't get me started on Nelson Asofa Solomona. Most popular man in the game. <laughs> I mean, I hope play, all those boos, I know I was one of them there, and I'm, I'm gathering from what I'm hearing to, tonight in here that there's plenty of you joining in the boos for Nelson Asofa Solomona. And who does he target? Who does he target out there? He's not taking on the Parramatta big boys. He's looking at the smallest blokes out in the field, making late shots on the kicker. I couldn't be happier about seeing them walking off the field tonight with their tails between their legs. Speaking of the big boys, 60s, you get into this game, you know you've got to take it to them through the middle, and I think that the Parramatta starting trio, Reg, Junior, and Renata coming off the interchange in that late swap, they did exactly that. I think they've got Junior credited for 216 metres, Reg for 185 and Murata for 131. And they were all quality, each and every single one of them. Regan Campbell-Gillard, 65, 65 minutes tonight, but he played the first 50 minutes. 50 minutes without being taken off the field. No wonder he clocked up 188 running metres. But there's Junior Paulo, 51 minutes out there, 216 running metres. Yeah, the big man went hard today. Anytime you get a forward going over 200 running metres, that is a massive effort. And Big June's really, really delivered out there tonight. And what's been the, the missive for the Parramatta Reels in the second half of the season? It's been chasing the collision. They went out there and did that tonight and it's no surprise that they got the ascendancy on the scoreboard. Who's fallen in love with Murata Nukore again? Yeah. I, I, he is absolutely... The last three, four matches, he's found the old Murata. Like, earlier in the season, it, it just wasn't happening for him. But the last few weeks where BA has had him on at the start, he's really set the tone in a massive way. And that just allows then Ryan Madison to come on and do his thing. Yeah, the Parramatta Ford Pack, when it's in full flight, is arguably the best in the competition. And they added to that tonight with that big win over the Melbourne Storm. And of course, if your forwards are playing well, 60s, what's that mean? Well, it means it's creating space for the edges and the backs. And speaking of the edges and the backs, Dylan Brown opened the scoring, sensational solo effort there. I thought he and Mitchell Moses pulled the strings perfectly in this game. Maybe, maybe overplayed their hand a little bit in the second half, but that's going to be a tough marker because they controlled this game really, really well. How strong is Dylan Brown? 
I mean, that first try, just the way he powered his way out of the tackles to get over for the try, he's probably guilty in the second half of overplaying his hand just a tiny, a tiny bit and a couple of errors. But that first half try, that really set us on our way. And for anyone that hasn't seen it, uh, especially people that follow uh, the Cumberland Throw Instagram account, we have footage there of Dylan Brown in his very first match in Parramatta Eels Colours in a competition match. It's from back in 2016 when he was a 15-year-old playing Harold Matthews. Maury Breen Oval, I think it was. And Maury Breen Oval up on the Central Coast. So it's a 15-year-old Dylan Brown playing his first ever competition game. He's playing at 5'8", so he's in the number six jersey for the Parramatta Eels. It was the first time that he's, he played a competition game for the Eels. If you head to the Cumberland Throw Instagram account, you'll see uh, in highlights one that's called Dylan Brown. You can click on there. John used to get out to, uh, as part of our junior coverage, film a bit of the junior reps and create a highlights package. And he's got a highlights package of uh, Dylan Brown. Um, well, it's from, uh, from, of the match. But Dylan Brown certainly features in a number of tries, and it's just an insight as to what that young man was going to become. When you see his involvement through the game, the deft touches, the passes, the little uh, grubber kicks after he picks the ball up off his toes, putting a player through the gap, then backing up for the try on the inside, all that in his very first game, just coming over from New Zealand. And that year, you knew he was going to be a good junior, but it was really the year after that you realised he was something special and just... Every step after that, he dominated age group for age group right up until the NRL. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, dominating with the ball in hand is one thing, mate, but you've got to make some big tackles as well. And I think, not surprisingly from the player, but from the position, you don't always see him get to make the big plays, but Mike Acevo really owned that head-to-head matchup with Xavier Coates. Well, how important was that um, defensive play when it looked for all money like Coates had got around the outside of him and... Sevo put on the afterburners chasing... No, noted speech to Micah Sevo. <laughs> I mean, Micah is not known for his capacity to be turning and chasing, but maybe he's maybe it's a different, completely different Micah Sevo that we're seeing this year because he absolutely motored and got Coates into touch, and that was a big play right then in, that, in the context of the game. And you always love to see Micah getting involved because it's just another reminder of how Combank Stadium is the best stadium in the entire country as those big Sevo chants go up. <laughs> well, I don't, uh, we'll leave it to in, in order because I want to talk about the Sevo try. <laughs> but just coming back to uh, the first half. So we looked at Sevo uh, getting to Coates, but there was also the disallowed try to Murata Nyakore. How did you see that? I thought we were unlucky for it not to go up as a try in the first place. And then... On the replays, you have the touchy walking in front of the sideline camera. I think, well, yeah, if that was given against us, I wouldn't have been upset if Melbourne was scoring the try, which is why I was a bit frustrated it wasn't given to us with Morata getting that ball down. I guess because that the touch judge blocked that one camera angle, it's hard for us to be overly critical of it. I mean, he got up, he looked as if he was confident that he scored at first it's, but then the, it's the kind team of, it's kind of crazy that there's only two camera angles though well I think that was only two that they showed us but they get every camera ang- angle in the bunker so we have to assume that they made the right call with that one uh, Will Penasini mixed bag for the young centre bagged the important try in the second half but left one on the field in the first 
Well, see, it was going to be interesting because we had Neville, with having Neville Glover as a guest tonight, I was going to ask him about what Will Penasini's mindset would have been about after dropping a certain try. Now, Neville doesn't mind talking about his uh, infamy in terms of dropping a, a pass that lead, leading to a certain try. Um, he's got enough legend status in, in what he did on the playing field anyway for that one that one moment. But Will kept his cool. Well, what do you talk about all the time? It's a goldfish memory. Yep, absolutely. The goldfish memory. So if something bad happens during a game, just being able to immediately put it behind you and forget about it. Because if you dwell on that, or if you're just constantly thinking, I've got to make up for it, I've got to make up for it, you're not going to be playing your natural game. So, yeah, goldfish memory. James Maloney used to be absolutely an expert at doing that. Our own Dylan Brown's pretty good at it too. Yeah, that, that's a fair call, especially... It, it, he's made a few mistakes in the first half in, in the last few matches, puts it behind him, just gets on with it. All right, I'll put you on the spot, mate. Did we see the past of the season in the second half? Quinton Gufferson, the Mike Acevo, out of dummy half, just wanders across field, engages the defensive line and throws the mother of all Harbour Bridge passes to hit Sevo in stride. Absolutely phenomenal pass. But this is again seeing a different Micah Sevo this year. I think we can all agree that there were times last year if Sevo was getting the ball around halfway or just in his own half, his first thought was he's going to need support. He's looking around for someone backing him up. But what we've seen the last couple of times that he's been in open pastures at Combank Stadium is he's, he's pinned the ears back and gone for it. And for a good reason, because they couldn't get near him. Yeah. Yeah, he, he backed himself. And I don't think he's been gunned down once this season when he's backed himself. No, no. And, and he really does look about as fit as I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Micah is not renowned for his conditioning or his efforts on the training track. He's, he's a power athlete. And I suppose that's a credit to how hard he's worked in his rehab and then fitness to get to this stage now where he's not only playing good football, he's playing career best football. Yeah, absolutely true. Absolutely now, true. Steve-O bagged the try, saved a couple on Xavier Coates. He didn't own hit of the night though. That belonged to a certain halfback, Mitchell Moses, who leveled out Kenny Bromwich. How many of you absolutely love seeing Mitch Moses smash Kenny Bromwich? I mean, little man on big man, but absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, little man on big man got underneath the ribs and just drove him into the ground. Classic, classic tackle right there. And I think that forced Kenny Bromwich off and he didn't, wasn't um, able to come back. Um, unfortunately, the secondary action of the tackle when he hit the ground, I think, had a head knock. But, yeah, it doesn't take away from the dynamic tackle from Moses. But, uh, yeah, it, it just, you know, shows how well and how committed the Eels were when your halfback is putting on hits like that, mate. So, second half, were we guilty of squandering opportunities? Yeah. I, I think it was actually, there's some parallels to the Brisbane game last week where... Still dominating field position, still working for our sets really well, forcing errors. But then we get into the red zone. I think both Reed Marnie and Dylan Brown both had errant passes that led to knock-ons. And then we had Dylan having... It was a heads-up play looking to kick to Mike Acevo on the uh, sort of first read. But between the three of them, we sort of squandered some 
prime real estate and prime potential to put on points? I'm going to be honest. I'm not a fan of Reed's flat balls at the line when we're on the attack. I think it puts a bit too much pressure on the, um, on the receiver. It's, I think they're on a hiding to nothing most times because they're literally getting the ball as the defence is hitting them. And I, probably if I was to look at stats on it, I reckon maybe 50% of the time the ball goes down. Yeah, it, it doesn't feel like the conversion rate's been there this year. In years prior, it's been a little bit more effective. But when you've got two halves and a fullback now on such sensational touch, it feels like you're better off playing out the back or giving a more simple short ball and trusting one of your big bookends to power over. We saw Murata nearly do that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Dylan Brown, just a few, few too many errors, just overplaying his hand a bit. But like we said, goldfish memory. He makes the mistake. He doesn't let it get to him. He doesn't compound the errors with it. So, you know, young guy making those mistakes has got no issues because he's producing on the other side to give him a net positive. What was your take on the uh, late tries that the Storm was able to get on us? Obviously disappointing. Uh, you know, the Harry Grant one, I think Ice was out of position, sort of caught too close to the ruck, and Grant used his quick acceleration to get on the outside. And then after that, Melbourne, you know, sort of threw caution to the win, big early shifts and second phase play, got the heels a little bit lacking. In a way, I look at it as a a good cautionary tale. Parramatta aren't going to come out of this game cocky and overconfident because they know that they bled those three late tries. They're going to do the video review and circle them and say, we can be better. We, can, we played well for 70 minutes. We could play well for 80. Well, have we fixed our defensive errors? For the most part, I would say so. I mean, Melbourne threw... I know they didn't have Jerome Hughes, but they threw a lot at us through this game. Cameron Munster was popping up everywhere and their forwards were trying to get some second-phase football. And I think that between our ability to contain those offloads and slide effectively, you watch the communication guys doing the check release, we did a great job of nullifying Melbourne's, and uh, at least what they're throwing at us today. Yeah, I think, I think we're actually getting that slide defence right, finally. It's, it's been something that they probably started to switch in terms of their defensive systems about halfway through the year. A lot of people didn't notice it because the players were going back into old habits and it looked like we, we weren't marking up where we should be, where we weren't numbering up like we should be. But I think everyone saw tonight with the, what the Melbourne Storm were trying to do with get, getting around the Eels, that the Eels sliding defence is starting to get into its groove and the communication is a lot better. And timing is everything. You know, obviously it would have been nice to have this figured out earlier in the season, but if you're going to get it right... You want to get it right just before the finals. Yeah, and we were also guilty before of being passive in defence, presenting a passive line, but not Absolutely. tonight. No, not tonight. You saw multiple guys pushing up, being aggressive, containing the Melbourne forward pack, putting pressure on their playmakers and shutting down their options and their time. Did we... Ha, ha, what's, would we give a pass mark to the referee, Ashley Klein? When you get the two points, I suppose, but, geez, I imagine there's going to be a sternly written missive when they do the club review and put it to the NRL at the end of a week because as, as much as Eels got those early calls, a lot of them came off the back of foul play, not for actual ruck calls. And when you look at that average play, the ball speed, where it's 3.8 seconds compared to 3.2, that, that is the tail of the tape. That's the eye test. That's the numbers backing it up. The two teams had different rucks or ruck policing. Absolutely. So, so going ahead, they say defence wins competitions. And... The last three weeks, it had been six points, six points, 14 points tonight, 
I'm not happy. I'm still not happy about bleeding those last couple of points because I don't think 22-14 was a reflection of our superiority mm-hmm. on the night. Um, but where does that now leave? First of all, us, and where does that leave the storm? For Parramatta, it's, it's been all about the attention to detail. It's been knuckling down on the fundamentals. We, we play a very simple game at our core with the ability to emphasise and flourish on the edges. So seeing our defence tighten up, seeing those reads on the edges, the check releases, guys calling out, saying that that's my guy, but now I'm going to slide here. That's been very encouraging. So we're in top shape. It's hard to get a read on Melbourne, those 60s, because you can never count them out. Never, ever count them out. And yes, they were, they were beaten thoroughly this game outside of those last few tries or last couple of tries. But they're going to go back to their own tape and they're going to come back. And I think they're playing either the Raiders or Brisbane, depending on results, unless there's an almighty for and against jump between the South Sydney uh, and Roosters game. So I'm booking them in for one of those two teams. I think they'll come back and they're going to get back to their basics and dominate that game. Yeah, I was just trying to look at, at how the ladder's likely to end up. And it, yeah, the, their um, points differential is probably going to be too much for either the Roosters or the Rabbitohs to overtake them. So the Storm's going to stay in fifth position. No team's won from the bottom half of the eight in the NRL era. Since, since, what, the entire NRL era? I think because the Tigers were in fourth place when they won in 2005. Oh, that's true, yeah. So that's another bit of history. 50 points conceded. Also don't win NRL premierships. Eventually some team's going to do one or or the double, but it doesn't bode well for Melbourne because it's sudden death football and they're going to be playing away after week one at Amy. But have they limped into the finals? I mean, they've lost their last two games. Yeah, and before that... I mean, they were bashed by the Roosters... And, and then, now it's fair to say we bashed the living daylights out of them. And prior to that, they had a little bit of an uptick. Before that, they had a big slump. So they've been on the sign curve up and down, up and down, even more so than Parramatta. Yeah, that's true. So we'll, we'll brush them aside for the time being, right? <laughs> because Parramatta's the team of the moment. Fourth place. Is there anyone here that thought we were going to end up in fourth place just three short weeks ago? Any believers? No. 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 Understandably. Yeah. I mean, we're not, we're not, we're not questioning the support with that no. because we were thinking the same ourselves. In fact, the way we were just fluctuating in our results, and not just our results, but just the resolve on the field, we didn't look like a top four team. Let's be honest. No. If, if we had a fallen into the top four without earning it, like I believe that we have now... We were we would have just been pretenders. We we wouldn't have we wouldn't have deserved to have been in the the top four at all. Yeah, exactly. When you lose to South Sydney in the manner which you do, it's almost completely scrubbing everything that you've done up until that point and starting from scratch. And to Parramatta's credit, to Brad Arthur, to the team's credit, each and every player has gone back, reinvented themselves, and here we are, three games later, three big wins later, sitting in fourth place, travelling out the Penrith to try and make that Three wins, or in the regular season, three wins, well, but four including the trial. So yeah, I counted as three nil over the Panthers this year. I, I'm going to include the trial because that was pretty dominant. Hopefully, we can get tickets to get up there. It is because it's a Panthers home game. I think their season ticket holders probably get the first grab at it, and there'll be a. I would imagine there'll be an away supporters bay where tickets will be available. So it'll probably be a very li- limited number of tickets. Uh, but here's the big question. Does BA make any changes? 
does he make changes to the bench? Now, he has made changes to the bench all through the season. He's rotated at least one of the bench players every couple of weeks. It's true. But the last couple of weeks, he's had Jake Arthur in there as cover for Mitch Moses with the injuries and, that he's had. And Reed Marnie too. And Reed Marnie. So, but he's only needed to use him for the last five minutes or so. And you wouldn't even say needed to use. He's got him out there and had a bit of a run for the last five we spoke about so. this earlier in the season. In a way, Brad Arthur's using an NBA model when it comes to his playing roster. He's got 17 slots in finals football, but he's got 15 footballers that he trusts fundamentally to go out and win a game. And we saw that's obviously the starting 13, Ryan Madison and Oregon Kafusi. And they went out there and they dominated. And if that formula was working against the best teams, it's kind of hard to knock it. He's got two guys on there to give him coverage in both the forwards and the backs. Bryce Cartwright, like Jake Arthur, gives you flexibility too. So... It's a bit of a luxury there for Brad when he's got props like Junior and Reg and middles like Murata and Maddo who can play 50-plus minutes comfortably. Well, looking at the minutes tonight, we had Red, we mentioned Reg, 65 minutes, Reed Marnie, 75, Junior, 51, Lane, 80 minutes, Ice, 80 minutes, and then we get into the lesser minutes, uh, Murata, 30, Maddo, 47, uh, Makahesi 12, Jake Arthur 6 and Oregon 34. Mm -hmm. It's almost a reflection of the salaries in the team. Oh yeah. When you when you look at it like it's you've got the highest paid players out there in Reg and Junior that are getting the really big minutes in the middle rather than the bench players and then of course you've got the edge players that are playing the 80 minutes. Yeah, and Parramatta are clearly built around a strong core of players. They've got their playmakers in Moses, Brown, Gufferson, Marnie. Obviously, he's leaving at the end of the year, but he is part of that core group. And then they've got the core middles, Junior, Reg, Matter. And then Murata, obviously, is a, a fantastic impact guy in and amidst that. But they're the guys you lean on for the big minutes in the big games. And we saw that in the last three weeks. That's why they're getting paid the big dollars. So, really, the only question is whether BA rotates the likes of Makahesi and Jake Arthur. Is it? Are you expecting that both of those players will play in the New South Wales Cup game on Saturday at Blacktown? Initially, I was, but when you think about it, maybe, maybe they don't. Maybe as much as you want to go further into the finals in the New South Wales Cup, having your best 18 players, 17, 18 players fit, is too much of a premium to risk. Spot, well, we'll know because we'll be out there. St Mary's 515. St Mary's Stadium. So the finals have started for the New South Wales Cup. Uh, you've got the Parramatta Reels taking on the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs on Saturday, St Mary's Stadium, 515 kickoff. Uh, it is it is being covered in on Facebook. I think it's Facebook live, live stream on New South Wales Rugby League TV. So if you go onto their website or their Facebook page, you'll catch a link and be able to watch that. But of course, you can always get out there and give your support to the uh, to the fellas. Yes, sir. Okay, so we're at the pointy end now. The three, two, ones. Good luck. Mate, I, I'm good luck. I'm, I'm struggling to, um, you know, to for who I miss out on. Like, who do I miss? Um, you know what? I, I I have to go for one of the big forwards. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for Reg for my three. I've got the other big man for my three. I thought Junior was out. I mean, not to say that Reg wasn't playing that full opening 50 minutes. Uh, we got to see the best of Junior today. We got to see some quality offloads. 
got to see high work rate, the big step before the um, defensive line on multiple occasions, and Melbourne could not contain him. Yeah, I'm going for two for Junior. Yeah, count me in on the, the inverse there. Two points for Edge. So now it comes to the one point. I don't think we can go... Oh, well, I can't go past Mitch Moses. Moses, fantastic. Murata Niakore, very good. Oh, geez, this is a tough one. Clinton Gufferson, very, very good too. In fact, I might go with Guff over there because a couple of try assists, a couple of line break assists, really tidy at the back. Melbourne for a bit at him with those short kicks. He was on the point. So, yeah, I think the captain played a sensational knock. I'll go one point for him. Yeah, okay. So, um, mate, I think that just about wraps it up. Yeah, now it's on to what we think will be the first game of the week if Penrith get their demands to play the uh, curtain raiser for the NRL finals, which is a Friday night, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure on, the, um, on what days it's going to be. Friday night? Yeah. So ah, Friday, Friday night. night. Yep. Friday night next week, people. Parramatta against the Penrith Panthers up at Penrith. Let's see what we can do about getting some Parramatta support <laughs> up there. Maybe if you know some Penrith people that'll buy you a ticket. <laughs> I'm sure they'd be happy to have Parramatta supporters up there in their ground. They should be staging this match, seriously. I know it's their home ground and they've earned it, but if they stage this down at, the, at Olympic Park, if they stage this at Acor Stadium, they would probably get about 50,000 people turn up. It'd be a real showpiece event. Obviously, it's going to sell out at Penrith Park, but I think about 30,000, 40,000 people are missing out on a ticket as a result of that. It is the privilege of the victor. That's how the system works. But in an alternate universe, there is a, it has been hosted at a bigger venue and we get fifty or 60,000 and set probably the record for week one of the finals. So we wish the uh, New South Wales Cup team all the best for their uh, elimination finals match on NRL Saturday. NRLW taking on the Newcastle Knights on Sunday out at McDonald Jones Stadium, 12pm. Yeah, so good luck to the NRLW team. I think if they can carry in the sort of form that they displayed uh, in their last match and able, be able to utilise Gail Broughton just a little bit more, they're on track to their first victory in round three. Yes, sir, but for now we celebrate Parramatta Eels knocking off the Melbourne Storm, booking their spot into the 2022 finals with two bites at the cherries, ladies and gentlemen. Anything happens from here on in, can Parramatta win it all? Yeah. That's it. And that's the way. That's the way. And from our point of view, if we've got, if we end, now it could be possible that we don't get a match at Combank Stadium, depending on how the, uh, yeah. the rest of the final series plays out. If we do end up with a match here at Combank Stadium, we'll be back for a post-match event again. Uh, but if not, and we're not back again uh, for the rest of the year, Thank you to everyone for coming tonight. Thank you to everyone who listens and follows to the Cumberland Throw and who's been here after the match every week to make this truly the home of the Eels. Yes, sir. Thanks, guys. Have a wonderful night. We'll catch, hopefully catch you guys at a home final. Go, you Eels.